Old Testament passage today picks up in 2 Samuel chapter 21, verse 1. Now there was famine in the days of David for three years, year after year. So there's three years. Basically, we're talking about a drought. Little rain, famine. And David sought the face of God. What to do in the face of circumstances? And the Lord said, There is blood guilt on Saul and on his house because he put the Gibeonites to death. And let's just back up here and see two very strong principles. When you're facing a crisis, seek the face of God. When you're seeking a crisis, when you're in the midst of a crisis, seek the face of God. Now, God will give you an answer. You may not like the answer. The Lord said, There is blood guilt on Saul in this house because he put the Gibeonites to death. Now, remember, the Gibeonites were these guys that made a treaty with Joshua to be slaves. But Saul put them to death. He broke the covenant. Now, you know, once you've made the promise, you keep the promise. He put the Gibeonites to death, and God said, David, there's been blood shed on the land. Innocent blood has been shed. There are consequences for broken covenants. You have to understand that. Maybe there were no consequences in the physical realm, but God brought consequences. So the king called the Gibeonites and spoke to them. Now the Gibeonites were not of the people of Israel, but of the remnant of the Amorites. Although the people of Israel had sworn to spare them, Saul had sought to strike them down in his zeal for the people of Israel and Judah. In his zeal. So zeal makes mistakes. And David said to the Gibeonites, What shall I do for you? How shall I make atonement? that you may bless the heritage of the Lord. Now notice, make it right. David said, I need to make this right. Now, forgive me, but this is something that you have to get a hold of. There are things that have happened in the past that were not under your leadership that you still have to make right. Ah. David said to the Gibeonites, What shall I do for you, and how shall I make atonement that you may bless the heritage of the Lord? The Gibeonites said to them, It is not a matter of silver or gold between us and Saul or his house. Neither is it for us to put any man to death in Israel. And he said, What do you say that I shall do for you? And they said to the king, The man who consumed us and planned to destroy us, so that we would have no place in all the territory of Israel. Let seven of his sons be given to us, so that we may hang them before the Lord at Gibeah of Saul, the chosen of the Lord. And the king said, I will give them. But the king spared Mephibosheth, the son of Saul's son, Jonathan, because of the oath of the Lord that was between them, between David and Jonathan, the son of Saul. So David kept oaths. David kept his promises. Make it right even if before your time. Again, making up the mistakes of leaders past. The king took two of the sons of Ritzbah, the daughter of Ea, whom she bore to Saul, Armoni and Mephibosheth, and the five sons of Merib, the daughter of Saul, 
whom she had borne to Adriel, the son of Barzillia, the Maholathite. And he gave them into the hands of the Gibeonites. And they hanged them on the mountain before the Lord, and the seven of them perished together. They were put to death in the first seven days of the harvest, at the beginning of the barley harvest. Then Ritzpah, the daughter of Ea, took sackcloth and spread it for herself on a rock from the beginning of the harvest until the rain fell from them from the heavens. She did not allow the birds of the air to come upon them day by day or the beasts of the field at night. When David was told what Ritzpah, the daughter of Ea, the concubine of Saul, had done, David went and took the bones of Saul and the bones of his son Jonathan from the men of Jabesh Gilead, who had stolen them from the public square of Bethshan, where the Philistines had hanged them, on the day that the Philistines killed Saul in Gilboa. And he brought up from there the bones of Saul and the bones of his son Jonathan, and they gathered the bones of those who were hanged. And they buried the bones of Saul and his son Jonathan in the land of Benjamin of Zelah, in the tomb of Kish his father. They did all that the king commanded. After that, God responded to the plea for the land. After that. Make things right first. Sometimes, brothers and sisters, you're in trouble because of things that you've done and the consequences that you're bearing. Make it right, and God will bless you. There was war again between the Philistines and Israel, and David went down with the servants, and they fought against the Philistines. And David grew weary. And Ishbi Benob, one of the descendants of the giants, whose spear weighed 300 shekels of bronze and who was armed with a new sword, thought to kill David. But Ashbashai, the son of Zeruah, came to his aid and attacked the Philistine and killed him. And David's men swore to him, You shall no longer go out with us to battle, lest you quench the lamp of Israel. All right, so notice as David gets older, another giant but older now and not able to defeat. And David had to realize, you know what? There comes a day more value in leadership. David, you're more value to us in leadership than you are with your sword. Now, guys, I don't say this to be cruel, but all of us as we get older need to recognize when we're young, when you're young, the Bible values your strength. When you get old, the Bible values your wisdom. As we get older, we can't do what we used to do physically, but we're more value with leadership. After this, there was war again with the Philistines at Gob. And Sepekai, the Hushathite, struck down Soth, who was one of the descendants of the giants. And there was war again with the Philistines at Gob. And Elhanan, the son of Jar or Gim, the Bethlehemite, struck down Goliath, the Gittite, whose shaft was like the spear of a weaver. And there was war at Gath, and there was a man of great stature who had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, twenty-four in number, also descended from the giants. And when he taunted Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shimri, David's brother, struck him down. These four were descended from the giants in Gath, and they all fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. Now, I want you to get a truth here. New generation, new giants, 
to kill. You can never just rest on the accomplishments of the previous generation. Every new generation has giants that they have to slay. And, and I, would, I would talk to the, the new generation rising up in COP. Your parents' generation and I, we, we've killed a lot of giants. God has been good to us. But you're going to have giants that you have to kill also. You're going to have great things that God asks you to do that look impossible. But every generation has giants to slay. Chapter 22, verse 1. And David spoke to the Lord the words of this song on the day the Lord delivered him from the hand of all of his enemies and from the hand of Saul. He spoke to the Lord the words of this song. David just wrote a song to God. He said, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my Savior, you save me from violence. <laughs> Who God was to David. Every person has a revelation of God. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. For the ways of death encompassed me, the torrents of destruction assailed me, the cords of shield entangled me, the snares of death confronted me. In my distress I called upon the Lord, to my God I called, and from his temple he heard my voice. My cry came to his ears. Ah, this is faith. Can you say the same thing today? I called, he heard. Every prayer you pray, beloved, he hears. Then the earth regaled and rocked and the foundations of the heavens trembled and quaked because he was angry. God gets angry. at what is happening to us. Smoke went up from his nostrils and a devouring fire from his mouth. Glowing coals flamed forth from him. He bowed the heavens and came down. Thick darkness under his feet. He rode on a cherub and flew. He was seen on the wings of the wind. He made darkness around him, his canopy, thick clouds, a gathering of water. Out of the brightness before him, coals of fire flamed forth. The Lord thundered from heaven, and the Most High uttered his voice. He sent out arrows and scattered them, lightning and routed them. Then the channels of the sea were seen, and the foundations of the world laid bare. At the rebuke of the Lord, at the blast of the breath of his nostrils, he sent from on high, he took me, he drew me out of many waters. He rescued me from my strong enemy, from those who hated me. <laughs> he rescued me. Though for they were too mighty for me, they confronted me in the day of my calamity. Ah, enemies attack when weak. Your enemy never attacks you when you're strong. Your enemies attack you in the day of your calamity. But the Lord was my support. <laughs> he brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. Beloved, he delights in you. You wonder, will he rescue me? Yes, because he delights in you. 
The Lord dealt with me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands, he rewarded me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from God. For all his rules are before me, and from his statutes I did not turn aside. I was blameless before him and kept myself from guilt. And the Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to my cleanness in his sight. With the merciful, you show yourself merciful. With the blameless, you show yourself blameless. With the purified, you deal purely. With the crooked, you make yourself seem tortuous. Wow. Here is the character of God. When you show mercy, you receive mercy. You save humble people. But your eyes are on the haughty to bring them down. You don't ever want to be proud, beloved. For you are my lamp, O Lord, and my God lightens my path. For by you I can run against a troop, and by my God I can leap over a wall. <laughs> God gives ability. This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. For who is God but the Lord, and who is a rock except our God? This God is my refuge. He has made my way blameless. He made my feet like the feet of a deer. He set me secure on the heights. He trains my hands for war so that my arms can bend a bow of bronze. You have given me the shield of your salvation, and your gentleness make me great. I love that. Your gentleness made me great. This word gentleness here means stooping down. God stooping down, your gentleness made me great. Can you just get a thought of that today? His gentleness is what makes you great. Not his strength, his gentleness. You gave a wide place for my steps under me, and my feet did not slip. We always worry, will I fall? Your feet won't slip. I pursued my enemies and destroyed them and did not turn back until they were consumed. I consumed them. I thrust them through so that they did not rise. They fell under my feet. For you equipped me with strength for battle, and you made those who rise against me sink under me. Here's God giving ability again. You made my enemies turn their backs to me, those who hated me, and I destroyed them. Retreat. You made my enemies retreat. They looked and there was none to save. They cried to the Lord, but he did not answer them. I beat them fine as dust of the earth. I crushed them and stamped them down like the mire of the streets. You delivered me from strife with my people. Wow. David had strife with his own people. You kept me as the head of the nations. People whom I have not known served me. Foreigners came cringing to me. As soon as they heard of me, they obeyed. Foreigners lost heart and came trembling out of their fortresses. The Lord lives. Blessed be my rock. And exalted be my God, the rock of my salvation. The God who gave me vengeance and brought down peoples under me. Who brought me out from my enemies. Who exalted me above those who rose against me. You delivered me from men of violence. For this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. Sing praises to your name. Great salvation he brings to his king and shows steadfast love to his anointed, to David and his offspring forever. 
What a beautiful song. But you say, Pastor, there's so much death and destruction in it. Yeah, because that's who David was. He was the warrior king who was just in love with God. This was his life. Recently, I've had a friend send me some videos of of military men sharing their testimony and their walk with God. And you know what? They don't talk too much different than David did. A businessman talks about and sings about the victories God gave him in business. A warrior speaks about the victories that God gave him in war. God is different things to different people because of the lives that he has chosen for us to live and the different revelations we understand of him. But God is a good God and his mercy endures forever. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship. I thank the Savior 
Our New Testament passage today picks up in Acts chapter 4, verse 1, our text from last weekend. So this will sound a little familiar. As they were speaking to the people, this is after the healing of the man at the gate, beautiful. The priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed. <laughs> That's one of those things I really like. Okay, These guys were greatly annoyed 
at the preaching of the apostles to the people, greatly annoyed, because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Now notice, the priests, the captain of the guard, the Sadducees. Now remember, Sadducees do not believe in the resurrection. They thought all of this was finished with Jesus because Jesus had answered their questions and made fools of them before the people. They thought this is all over now. But instead they found it has just begun. <laughs> so the Sadducees were sad, you see, because they don't believe in anything about life after death. No wonder they're sad. And they're greatly annoyed because their favorite doctrine is being exposed as false again. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. And many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of men who came to about 5,000. So 5,000 would put the church at twenty to 25,000 people. Jerusalem would have had around fifty to 75,000 people. So already you're seeing um, they're the biggest thing in town. They're bigger than any synagogue. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander, who were all of the high priestly family. So notice Annas is the godfather. Caiaphas is the high priest whose function is high priest. John and Alexander, they are the sons of Annas. Caiaphas is the son-in-law. And when they had set him in their midst, they inquired, by what power or what name did you do this? referring to the healing of the man that gave beautiful. Then Peter, filled with the Spirit, ha-ha, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, and by what means this man has been healed. He said, now what are we here talking about? Are you talking about the doctrines of the resurrection, or are you talking about this guy that got healed? If we're here being examined because of this good deed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. He said, Jesus did this. He said, whom you crucified. So he's right in their faces. He's bold as a lion. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Exclusive. Exclusive plan of salvation. Now, brothers and sisters, I don't want to be rude. But Jesus is the only way to heaven. No man cometh unto the Father but through Jesus. And at some point as Christians, we need to stop trying to be woke and start trying to recognize we have the answer to this world. Jesus is the answer. And as Christians, we just need to quit apologizing. Well, you know, there are many roads that go to heaven. No, there are not. There is only one way of salvation. Salvation is found in no one else. Period. Now, if you believe the Bible, then we need to get busy and preach Jesus. 
Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished, and they recognized they had been with Jesus. Now, there is a challenge in the body of Christ today. We seem to value education, celebrity, status, but these men were uneducated, and these men had no status. They weren't cool. But they had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus. If you ask me would I prefer a man with a doctorate degree or a man that can pray for the sick and see people get healed and filled with the Holy Ghost, I'll take that one. Now, they're not mutually exclusive. Please don't get me wrong. You know me. I believe in education. But I think there are times that the body of Christ puts the wrong value on the wrong things. The greatest value we should place on leadership is they have been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. I mean, how do you argue with a cripple that everybody knows is now healed? But when they had commanded them to lead the council, they conferred with one another, saying, what shall we do with these men? For a notable sign has been performed through them as evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. We cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. In other words, no more healing, no more teaching, no more miracles. Because miracles happen in Jesus' name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. And Peter and John answered them, Whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. But we cannot but speak what we have seen and heard. Experience. Experience. When you've seen miracles, when you've heard the voice of God, you just don't stop doing what you're doing. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for they were all praising God for what happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. A man crippled for 40 years is now walking. There's not much you can do to counter that. Some of you young pastors listening to me, we all need to fast and pray for more miracles. We've got enough talking heads running around. We need miracles. We need more miracles. We need more of the Holy Spirit flowing. All right. I don't get, dare get to preaching on that. Let's close out with a little bit of wisdom from Proverbs today. Proverbs chapter 27, beginning with verse 11. Be wise, my son, and make my heart glad, that I may answer him who reproaches me. So, a wise son makes a father's heart glad. The prudent, you hear me say this verse a lot, the prudent see danger and hides himself, but the simple go on and suffer for it. Beloved, there are many bad things that happen to us in life because we're simple because we're naive and we just we just keep walking into it 
If you knew that there was somebody standing at the door, that when you walked out the door, was going to hit you in the head with a two-by-four, would you walk through the door? No, Pastor. Well, have the sense to look around in life and realize there's danger out there. The simple suffer. Prudent, they take refuge. Take a man's garment when he puts up security for a stranger and hold it in pledge when he puts up security for an adulteress. Okay, anytime somebody wants you to co-sign, they want you to bear the risk of a debt. Bear the risk. Take collateral. You see, this is a stranger. This is an adulteress. They're very willing to walk away either because they don't know the person or they're ashamed. Take collateral. Whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice, rising early in the morning, will be counted as cursing. <laughs> a sister Bev reminds me of this verse from time to time, because when I get up in the morning, I'm awake and I'm happy and I'm probably way too noisy. <laughs> and sometimes Brother John will call me 4, 4.30 in the morning our time, or I'll call him and we're laughing and we're talking. Even if you bless your neighbor too early in the morning, it's not appreciated. Uh, learn to let people sleep. A continual dripping on a rainy day and a quarrelsome wife are alike. We've all had that drip, drip, drip coming in from our ceilings. To restrain her is to restrain the wind. It's impossible. Or to grasp oil in the right hand. It is impossible. You can't restrain a quarrelsome woman. It's just she yells at you more. Ladies, do you want to have a happy marriage? Be a happy woman. A person who's always, a woman who's always looking for a quarrel, a man doesn't even know what to do with. And ladies, and please, I don't say this to be cruel, but ladies, learn to be happy. Your husband can't make you happy. Your children can't make you happy. Nobody can make you happy but God. Let God work on your heart. Let God make you happy. Amen? And, and just learn, not everything in life is worth a fuss. All right. We'll see you tonight at 7 o'clock. Back into the book of Romans. The servanthood of Jesus. The focused servanthood of Jesus.